Hello and welcome to this week's podcast. And I want to welcome you because why not be welcomed? Thou art, thou art welcomed. Thou art welcomed, I should say. And um, hopefully you're not asked because, well, uh, well, maybe you are. In which case, I hope you're listening to this after 6 p.m. Um, or at least 6 p.m. somewhere in the world, I guess. We are talking today about a topic that was voted for you, uh, for you by you, on the uh, YouTube channel, How to Be a Great GM's community page, and that is how to make locations epic, or how to make epic locations. Um, it's an interesting one, and the reason why it's an interesting one was, or is, I should say, locations... And there are lots of locations. When I was sort of thinking about this, I kind of did a head count very, very quickly on the different types of locations that there are. I came up with just under 55 locations. And that is locations that exist in our world space today. So that doesn't include things like corpses or inside asteroids or anything science fiction either. It's just locations. And there's another reason why I have been thinking about locations a lot recently is because our next Kickstarter, and you are hearing it first, our next Kickstarter, which if you're listening to this podcast, by the way, as the podcast, and you're not listening to it live, will already be underway or possibly even completed. So here's a bit of the past uh, coming back to haunt me or the future presenting an opportunity or something like that. I'm not sure. The next Kickstarter is the Creator's Guide to Epic Locations, Nature. So that book, and it is going to be quite the tome, we're estimating 300 pages. That's what we're estimating. And uh, I say we because I'm writing it in collaboration with none other than Till Lammer, the CEO and creator of Dungeon Fog. And I think it's going to be amazing. Uh, I really do think it's going to be amazing. When we started thinking about this project, which was in March of this year, April, April, March, April, somewhere around there, uh, we thought it was going to be quite a book. We didn't realize how big a book it was going to be. And so with this book, Epic Locations, what it is, is we've decided that it's got to be something that's really easy for you to reference during your role-playing games, but also comes with a large educational component to help you improve locations that you actually have the opportunity of planning and prepping before your players get there. So the book you'll be able to pull off the shelf as your players in the middle of your game are wandering around and let's say they wander into a swamp and uh, they um, suddenly decide, no, we're not, we're not going to go to a swamp, we're going to go to a forest instead on the other side of the road. You haven't prepped the forest because for the entire previous session they were talking about the swamp, but now they want to go into the forest. So you'll be able to pull a book off the shelf, open up forest, and immediately have a whole bunch of references available to you. Little catchphrases, descriptive passages, descriptive words, some interesting encounters, and not just a list of encounters, orc, goblin, spider. That doesn't help anybody. But... 
a goblin party hunting a dangerous animal, well, that's an interesting encounter. Or at least it's a different encounter from just goblins. So that's something along those lines uh, that we're thinking about. And then there's another section where you will then be taught how to create forest locations in more interesting ways. And that doesn't just mean, well, you put a tree on the left and a tree on the right. It's more, it's much more much, much more. Each entry basically comes with about, I would say, between five and ten pages worth of additional material. And so I think that that is going to be awesome. I really do. The question which one has to ask then is, what makes a location epic? Well, as far as I'm concerned, and I think this goes for, for Till as well, an epic location is a location that your players feel and experience, and later on when they are sitting at home in front of their computer or driving or on the bus or on the train, they go, wow, yeah, you know, that, 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 I have, that forest was terrifying. Or I have never been inside a cathedral and felt as if I was actually there. That's our goal, is to create these spaces that your players are blown away in terms of their scope. That doesn't mean, though, that every location within your game, I do beg your pardon, <coughs> that does not mean that every location in your game has to be an epic location. You do need to have mundane locations. You don't need to have a situation where every time the players step onto the road, every time they step on into a, a haberdashery, they're blown away by this amazing haberdashery that's got multiple levels and has got an, an amazing color scheme and has been designed with all kinds of three-dimensional thinking and engages the players' senses. Sometimes they just need to go in and buy stuff. Sometimes they just need to walk into a forest and have a few descriptive words thrown at them, such as the hushing of the wind through the leaves and the trees as it's early spring. And that's it. That's all they need. They don't need anything else. But every now and again, you want to drop an epic location where the players simply remember and experience it moving forward. So we know that there are ways and means in which we should present these things to our players. When a player enters into, or when a PC enters into a location, they don't need to then, as they're about to walk in, suddenly get an hour-long dictation or, or monologue on this amazing location. That's not going to help them, and it's not going to help us either. That's going to slow the game down. They're going to forget what the hell was said in the first place. And everyone is just going to move on, kind of wondering what just happened. We need to unfold this space. So we need to then think of a location almost like a story in terms of a structure. So as our player characters enter into the forest, we know in our narrative structure that we need to introduce the character. We need to introduce the location. We need to introduce the situation. As you are walking into a forest, suddenly you learn about this forest. What makes this forest different from the forest next door? What makes this forest interesting or dangerous? What can we sense? So as they walk into the forest, if they discover that the trees in this forest all seem to grow slightly closer together as if clustering against some great and dark evil, 
Oh, okay. We've learned a huge amount of information about this forest just from one little description. The trees seem clustered together uh, as if afraid of some terrible dark evil or something along those lines. We've been introduced to the character. This is a forest that is afraid, that is scared. So now we can start to play on that as we uh, develop the story. We will, if we are going to be building this epic location, ultimately have to reveal why the trees are clustered together, terrified and scared. It could be because they were wind-blasted and are on the edge of a gigantic cliff. Or it could be that there is a dark evil at the heart of this forest which stalks around. It could be a giant beaver or a flock of woodpeckers or things that eat trees. It could be plague that kills off certain trees, so they cluster together to avoid this kind of plague. Uh, a witch who controls this, or it could be a dragon who manipulates the forest and those kinds of things. So we're starting to tell a story in the location. The location has nothing to do with the PC's adventure or their, their goals or they're just trying to cross the country. It doesn't matter. The location has the narrative. So we've now introduced the character. We need to introduce the situation. Well, we've already started to do that by hinting that the trees clustered together. But perhaps the situation is that there is nothing going on in this forest, in which case it might be an idyllic, quiet calm fills you with a sense of openness and joy. Still, we do need to tell people that nothing is going on. So after they have been walking in the forest for a few minutes or so, we could casually tell them that they notice that there is no life in this forest apart from the trees and the foliage that grows. They notice no fauna whatsoever, not even tracks of deranged wolves. This is an empty, quiet forest. Again, do you see how by giving them a little bit of information at a time, not all in one deluge, we are starting to give them a sense of narrative of this place. So now we've established that the trees cluster together, there's no animals living here, so there's got to be some other reason as to why these trees are clustered. In other words, whenever we are giving the players information about the location, it should spark a question in their minds. Why are the trees clustered together? Why are there no animals around? Chat is busy saying maybe the trees are eating the animals. Well, that's entirely, entirely possible. And that could be a development that we get to, which is fantastic. But we do now need to give the players some kind of idea as to what's going on. So if they are tracking an orc that has run off into the forest and they are charging into the forest with this orc, they learn about the clustered trees, they learn about the lack of animals. We now get to the moment where the players realize what is going on. In other words, the point of this narrative, and that's where they meet the villain or they meet the potential villain. And so that's perhaps where the trees are now starting to eat the local fauna. And so the trees are trying to eat the player characters. But what we need to discover is that these trees that are eating the player characters, they have sealed off the, the exit that the players had. This is the critical moment. This is the point of no return, which all narratives have. It is literally where the player characters cannot just turn around and leave. It, no pun intended. It could be that the trees have moved themselves around. It could be that the path has simply disappeared or has changed position or has become overgrown. Whatever the 
reason the players are now deeply invested. It could also be that they're simply near the center of the forest. And so whether they go back the way they came or they continue forward, it's going to take them the same amount of time and the same amount of risk. Once we realize that the players are stuck there and that the trees, let's say, for example, are eating the fauna that is around, the players are still trying to capture this orc. But at this particular point, we are now into, arguably, under normal circumstances, the journey. So the players now have to journey through the forest, whilst also chasing the orc. So when you look at it, you have your bigger story, your bigger narrative of the players trying to capture the orc because something the orc did or knows is relevant to the PCs. They enter into the forest and they get this micro story now happening and unfolding inside the forest. It sounds awfully complicated, but it actually isn't when you then think about the fact that you're throwing out three sentences thus far to give the entire narrative of this forest. The orc is still running ahead, and so off they go. Now, obviously, it makes sense that the narrative is aligned to the general tone that you are using throughout the entire adventure. So if attacking, if the orc that they're trying to capture is in a dark kind of tone, the orc, let's say, murdered someone and is now running away from the scene of the crime, that's a dark tone, so the forest would be appropriate. If the orc was a clown and had simply popped too many balloons and you now run into this forest that eats people, that doesn't make any sense. That's too much of a gear shift. So you do have to align this inner narrative with your bigger narrative that's going on, your bigger story that's going on. So we are now in the journey phase. So this is where you then look at the forest and you say, okay, well, what, what is different about a forest? What, is, what, what, is, what makes this forest special? We know the trees are eating the fauna. Okay, that's fine, but why? Well, perhaps there's a river that the PCs now encounter. And this river is flowing, but it's flowing and it's full of blood. Because the trees eat the blood and then the water goes into the tree and then the tree deposits the water back into the soil, which then goes into this, this river. That's not how nature works. That's not how trees, uh, water mechanisms work. But because of a magical component, they now seep the blood into the stream. Automatically, the players are now going... Well, who controls the stream? Who made the stream? Where does the stream go? Will the stream affect us? What is happening with the stream? So as they're now on this journey, they now have to cross the stream. So their journey becomes perilous. Do they just wade through the blood? In which case we can put some kind of blood-like monster in the water itself, that the blood has started to gain its own sentience perhaps, or quite simply that the blood is protected by magic or the blood itself is vampiric. We can really, really go mad with whatever it is that this blood river is doing. Our PCs are now on their journey. They have discovered that the orc has crossed the Blood River as well. And by the way, I always advocate that the NPCs in your adventure are not subject to the roles and checks that your player characters are subject to. That is insanity taking the game to the nth degree. If the orc fails and gets swallowed up by the Blood River, your bigger adventure has just failed because of a micro-adventure that you're busy running in terms of this forest encounter. So that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The orc is just particularly good at jumping over Blood Rivers, or knows how to get around Blood Rivers. Now, as a matter of fact, 
Blood River is the name of a particularly horrific battle that happened in South Africa in about 1860s, 1850s, somewhere around there. My, my, my um, knowledge is a bit shaky on, on the Battle of Blood River. But a whole bunch of people and wagons formed a circle and were attacked by a whole bunch of Zulu warriors who were defending their homes from this invading uh, wagon train. And there was so much blood that it is said that the river ran red with blood. So perhaps we can figure out that this blood river is actually a defensive thing. It's a consequence. It's something that is protecting an inner space. And we also realize that this blood river forms the end of our journey where our players need to learn something new and that the thing that they were originally thinking is no longer correct. It's our twist. And so if this river is now defensive, it protects something on the inside, something that doesn't mind if the trees eat fauna, uh, the, 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 the fauna. That could be anything. It could be a necromancer. It could be uh, simply a misguided pixie or a fairy. Or it could be something from a different realm that doesn't even recognize living things, but that recognizes the power of blood, however or whatever you want to position it as. The players need to learn that they have to go somewhere else now. So as they cross the Blood River, they see the orc and they have to try and catch the orc and off they go. But the orc is now being captured or has been captured by somebody else or something else which is using the Blood River as a protective barrier to keep certain things out perhaps. But the players manage to get across. We can develop this idea as we go along. Remember... All through this entire process, you might throw in a random encounter, or not a random encounter, I hate that word, you might just throw in an encounter, it's not random, you're choosing to do it, uh, you might throw in an encounter, the players are busy battling them, and while they're busy battling the encounter, you are thinking about this story that is busy unfolding. Now, once the players then get the orc from whatever has captured them, we should then conclude this forest narrative. The thing that has got the orc is also the thing responsible for the Blood River and all those kinds of things. And so now we know, okay, great. The adventure has concluded with the forest. So that means getting out of the forest should not be a problem. It shouldn't be a challenge. This is a collecting adventure quite clearly in terms of, of our adventure structure. The players had to go and collect an orc. Uh, this little micro-adventure anyway, and they have now collected the orc. God, taking the orc to the next location, that in itself is part of your bigger adventure, and it shouldn't then revolve around the players having to cross the blood bridge, uh, blood river, and through the, uh, the trees that are trying to eat everybody. That's been done, so don't do it over again. It's just boring. It's mundane. We know about it. Move on. If anything, you can have your players make one or two little checks, uh, whatever the system might be, and through they go. So that is step one in terms of making an, a location epic, is when the location has a narrative. And it's a very important step because it's an easy step for you to fill in without becoming overwhelmed. I hope that makes sense. And hopefully that has inspired you in a little bit. 
I see, are there any questions? If you have a question, please write the word question in caps lock. Now, if you don't know what I mean by question, these shows are recorded live on a Thursday at 5 p.m. British summertime, uh, which is 9 a.m. Pacific time, or whatever time it is, wherever you are, that's the time that this show is live on Discord, discord.gg forward slash greatgm, and you can come and ask questions and uh, things. So, yes, if you have questions, drop them into chat. I'm happy to, to, to answer them. Elzoru asks, are there other ways to make a location epic? Absolutely. Now, if you have been watching my channel, you'll know that we talk about the three Ps. Now, the three Ps are pain, pressure, and problems. And that is something that epic locations need to have. They need to enhance those three Ps. So the pain P, if you like, uh, requires the location to increase the pain. So in our example of our forest that eats fauna, the pain could very well be that the trees themselves don't actively attack the players. That's something that we might expect. We want it to be more subtle. So perhaps the pain is simply that the trees absorb blood from living things through their feet. The tree's roots are everywhere. It's inescapable. And so what happens is, as you enter the forest, automatically you start to lose health. You start to take pain. And there's nothing you can do about it unless somehow you can hover and float in the air. And then I would say, well, then you don't take any more. So that, that is a pain thing that you can increase. You can also decrease it, by the way. You can have an area that is now starting to replenish uh, characters. If you look at the notion of a positive planet, a positive pain, in Star Trek Insurrection, that's the ninth Star Trek movie with the, uh, the uh, next generation uh, crew, Captain Picard, the entire planet had some technobabble reason why people on the planet didn't age and got younger and healthier and fitter. Um, there were some issues that it only kicked in when puberty started because that's a reason but it doesn't matter it's Star Trek so you know it's fine the movie wasn't very good anyway a lot of people liked it I didn't so I digress nonetheless it was a positive the characters got younger and healthier the more they spent time in that location but it is still a P it's still part of the pain group now the next one is problem Problems are things that we can get right uh, or that we, that we use quite often without even thinking about it. The blood river. Having to cross that blood river is a problem. Having to figure out, oh, well, we need a long rest or we need to sleep, but we're going to get drained of blood. That's a problem. If the player characters notice that there are butterflies that hover and never land, and only suck from the flowers of certain trees, but they don't land on the flower, then they figure out the problem of how to levitate or to hang ropes from the branches. It gives them a problem. They now have to start thinking about this in a very different kind of way. And then finally, with pressure, well, the orc running away from them 
that is a huge pressure. If the orc gets too far away from them, they will lose the orc in this forest. Now, obviously, if your players have got abilities to track the orc that don't rely on sight or on tracking, perhaps it's a magical thing or it's a sci-fi, so it's a tricorder or a scanner of some kind. So we need to then think in, well, what would be another pressure? Another pressure could simply be that the trees are mobile and are following the players, or the blood river is mobile and is following the players, or there is a certain thing in the forest that is stalking the players, characters anyway, and pushing them forward. If we put a time pressure onto the party, then they have to act, well, they have to react to all of these things happening, which makes the whole game seem a lot faster. So if you increase the pressure, and the problems, they have to solve things a lot faster. If you increase the pain, they have to solve things a lot faster before they die. They run out of life or hit points or health points or whatever. So it's a, it's a very interesting way of taking your location and being forced to think of how can I increase the problem of moving through an open field? I, wh wh where is the problem there? What is the problem? The very first problem could be, as far as I'm concerned, that the field has great fissures or it has large areas that simply turn into sinkholes. And so the players have to figure out what is indicative of a sinkhole and maneuver around it. A time pressure could be that the sinkholes just start opening up without the PCs triggering them at all and they've got to move across the field very, very, very quickly. So you are using the P's to inspire you to then add these things into the location. Do you see now why it becomes very important for us not to have every single location that the players are going to encounter as being an epic location? Your game would become exhausting and they wouldn't leave the tavern that they're based in because the tavern would be inflicting pain in some way. Perhaps it's psychological pain because there's a bard who's trying to sing like Cacophonix and is just not getting the right notes. Perhaps there is a pressure that the bar is closing and they need to get a final drink in or that someone's checking. So, so you get my point. You get my point. Um, some wonderful suggestions coming through from chat. Grass raptors, razor grass. This is for a field, of course. Uh, acid pollen, land sharks. Um, some great, 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 great ideas. All right. So your location is going to tell a story. Your location has got the three Ps. What's left? Aside from me getting messages, I forgot to mute my phone. I will, you know, admonish myself later. I apologize. Uh, aside from that, what else is left to add to our location to make it feel more epic? Well, that is the NPCs. We have to utilize our NPCs. Our NPCs are living there. We know we have an orc running through this weird forest that we've created. Or we have foresters. We have someone who said to the PCs, Oh, I saw the orc running away into the dread forest just down the road. If that's all the NPC says, we have missed an opportunity to make that location epic. Why? Because our players are going to be creating much more interesting things than we could possibly create with their imaginations. And they can only do that if we feed their imagination. So giving them an NPC up front who goes, well, the Dread Forest, you know, it's got rumors that um, it eats virgins. That's right. And if you're not a virgin, well, then it just eats you. Well, it just eats you. There is supposedly a way of protecting yourself. 
and that's to wear shoes made of air. Never figured out what that one was. That's a little sentence that the players are going to go, shoes made of air? Um, interesting. Let's try and figure it out. Let's come up with this. Let's come up with that. Let's come up with this, etc., etc., etc. And as a result, they are now starting to feed into this entire notion. So they are making this entire thing that much more epic because now they're anticipating. Whereas if you didn't have that, they've got nothing to anticipate. Furthermore, once they are inside the location or in the forest, they can bump into people. Someone who's hanging from a rope. If your players are not particularly creative and they're just suffering from the pain of being absorbed by the trees, maybe they come across a ranger who is suspended from a tree by several ropes and the ranger says, well, I don't understand why you don't just hang yourself. Well, in your cases, literally, but in, figuratively, if you suspend yourself, the trees can't get to you. Very, 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 very simple trick. No, what you've got to really be worried about are the glow butterflies or the glow flies. Let's make those more interesting. Let's say that glow flies, etc., uh, etc. Et so you are, again, building in, building in, building in stuff for the players to create more things out of. It's just so much fun. And you can sometimes get a little bit blown away by just how crazy the location gets but if it's a set piece if it's once every session or once every two sessions it will stand out and your players will be talking about this freaking forest where they had to suspend themselves from the trees in order to not to get eaten these glowworm things kept flying in etc etc and eventually they found this orc who had somehow gotten trapped by this weird creature that was using a blood river as a guard dog Things just get crazy. But that's three of the things that you can do to really invest the players in the location, to make the location stand out, and to make the location memorable. And a lot of it is on the psychology of the players getting into that space. So using the right words, using NPCs to get them in there. And uh, yeah. I think that's enough for now. We're nearly out of time anyway. Um, there's a big question there about the best way to make cities and urban places epic and memorable. Yes, absolutely. That is a very good question, but unfortunately one that we don't have time for today. So I just want to thank you all for being part of today's podcast and for giving out some pretty awesome ideas on uh, our locations and uh, for um, joining me and just having a great, great Thursday afternoon. Until next time, I wish you and yours the very happiest of gaming.